We're talking about worship today, true worship. And your points are going to be under the word true, T-R-U-E. And man alive, we've heard, some of you, if you've been in church long enough, you've heard things called worship wars. And we try to get worship down to a few simple things. I don't care if you look at a screen. I don't care if you look at the hymnal. Yeah, this is what it is. It's a paper book. And there's really good songs in here that are really good. Um, There's good praise and worship songs. But a lot of times we have problems in church. Now, I want to get to the point. Church is not a building and it's not a service. Church, you find in Acts, are saved believers that are the body of Christ. And church is biblical. And what we're doing here today is biblical. That we gather, we see that the the early church in the New Testament gathered together weekly. Sometimes we don't talk about the offering because of COVID. We've kind of changed it a little bit, but there's an offering plate back there, and there's an offering plate at the door, and that's an act of worship that they gathered an offering weekly, and we talked about the mission and different things that we do, that that money went to go help people and further the kingdom of God. Some people would try to say what we're doing here, well, I don't need that, or it may not be biblical. The Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling yourself together, even more as you see the day approaching. But if you've been church, if you've been in church long enough, you see that a lot of times we look at the word worship and we just bring it down to what we're doing right here. And I want us to understand. I want us to lay down our preferences. Because really when there's wars over worship, it's over preferences. If you look at your hymnals, a lot of the tunes, and I'm not a music person, but a tune is the music part, not the words part. But a lot of your old hymns, those the music part were tunes that were sung in bars. And then they changed it and put Christian words to it. Um, Lord, I lift your name on high. Is the, It's the same tune for I'm a toker. I'm a smoker. I'm okay. Anyway, that song that some of you know that, yeah, pastor said that. But okay, you got to think about it. But look what they did. They took the base of the music and they put God to it. But so many times we get worried about our preferences. I know I'm picky about music. I like to listen to a lot of different music. Boy, I'm going to get in trouble with. I better not say it. Okay, I just like listening more to streaming services than radio. Because I get to pick what I want to listen to, and that's the way I like it. I'm not against, I think there's a point for Christian radio and stuff like that to reach people. But we all get picky. We all have styles. Mine is eclectic. You know, it's praise and worship, 80s music, and then other stuff, okay? And, but so many times in church, we think I've got to have a pew. None of this stuff is bad that I'm talking about. So if you come, pastor says that this is bad, then you're not listening. I just want us to see our preferences. Well, I wish we had the hymnals. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with paper. I think people need to read more. I think people need to take time to look at more. But there's also nothing wrong with the screen. And there's nothing wrong with the words. It's, it's neutral. The organ, which we don't have anybody to play anymore, but you know, some people get upset about that. And I was at a, I was at a, in the corner here. There you go. I'll stay away from that. Okay. Um, I was at an Anglican church, the one in Springfield, for a funeral. If you've never gone to visit that church, it is just beautiful. It sets a setting for worship. And we're worshiping here today. But 
just it, it, it's just it's just really neat setting. And they have an organ with the big pipes and all this kind of stuff. And it's just beautiful to listen to that. But some people stop there and say, well, when we didn't have this, we didn't have worship. Well, there was a time the organ was not in a church and people got upset when they put an organ in a church. I want you to understand this. What we're doing here today is important, but if you think worship is just about this time, then that's why we're looking at Psalms 24, verses 3 and 6. And we're asking the question, who is a true worshiper? Because I did youth ministry for 15 years. I've been to a lot of youth camps, and I've been around a lot of people that, that can present things really well and that really have a heart of worship. And so many times when you're in youth or different things, this is the way it's got to be. The youth are saying that, the older are saying that, and we just get it down to one thing. But we ask, the, we struggle with what is worship, and who can worship, and can anybody really, truly worship God? Because He is holy, and we are not. What does a true worshiper of God look like? That's what we're going to talk about today. And you can choose, you don't go to be a fake worshiper, but there's a lot of ways that we can just go through the motions. And you may be going through the motions today. And, you know, I'm not downing the Anglicans. There's part of me that I, I enjoy the, 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 the fact that they do things a certain way and, and all that. But I even liked what the minister said when I went to the service, that if you're just doing this stuff and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it's not going to do you any good. And we may get down to people that, well, they do this, they're up and down, and they're reading this and that. But where's your heart today? You know, and we need to ask the question, am I being fake or am I being true, a worshiper of God? And your action step today is be true to you, not and I, with a capital Y. So not yourself, that is a load of junk from the pit of hell on humanism. Be true to yourself. You're true to yourself. You're head to hell because you're a sinner, just like I am. And you need Jesus to save you. That you is a capital Y because we're talking about God. To be true to you. And so, we're going to look at this. And the background of this uh, Psalms in Psalms 24 is probably written by David. And it was the time, the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was built during, when the Israelites were uh, going through the wilderness. And um, if you kids, did my mic go out or is it just me? Okay. You want me to switch? Okay. We'll see. There went the little fuzzy thing. It's not my fault, but that thing needs to do something. Well, let's set this over here. Okay. Hey, kids, if you can tell me what was in the Ark of the Covenant, you get extra gum. Not right now, but after church today. But there were several things that were in the Ark of the Covenant to remember God's presence. They had the tabernacle. They had the Ark of the Covenant. There was a certain way the priests had to clean themselves and be ceremonially clean and to carry the Ark of the Covenant. And so the Ark of the Covenant was at this guy's house because they had misstepped and somebody died carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They, you know, he touched it by accident and died. That's how, talking about the holiness of God. And so they put it at this guy's house, and the guy's house was being blessed, you know, because the Ark of the Covenant was there. But finally, they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, the city of David, and that is why this part of the reason this psalm was being written. And we need to understand these things. Well, why did this psalm come about? David wrote it, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. It's coming to the city of Jerusalem. And 
what also we see in this psalm is it's clearly a psalm about the coming of the Messiah, the Savior. And so in verses 1 and 2, it's the preparation of creation for the Messiah. We talked about a few weeks ago that all of creation is groaning. This is why we have earthquakes and disasters and, you know, fallenness. It's because all of creation is saying, this is not right. The curse of sin is weighing on us. And we groan for the Messiah. And so, verses 1 and 2 show the preparation of creation for the Messiah. And then the section we're going to look at turns to the preparation of God's people for the Messiah. How prepared for, your, for Jesus to come back? I'm as prepared as I can be because there's no way I can save myself. I'm saved by Christ. And we need to understand that. So the, we see the question in verse 3 of chapter 24. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in His holy place? This is the question we're asking today. Who can be a true worshiper of God? I can't on my own. I can't in my flesh. Who can do this? And this is a question. Who's a real follower? Who is a real worshiper of God? And who can go before Him? Psalms 15 gives a detailed description who can truly worship God. And you may look at yourself as I read Psalms 15. I think I gave it to him, but if it's not going to be up there, don't worry about it. But you can look it up. But Psalms 15 is, is, is five verses. We're going to start verse uh, 2, I think. He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. So you've got to walk blamelessly. You've got to do what's right. You've got to speak truth from the heart. Who does not slander with his tongue and does not know evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, so treat others right. In whose eyes a vile person is despised, so we hate evil. But who honors those who fear the Lord, honoring those that do what's right and who follow God. Who swears to his own hurt and does not change. In other words, they are going to do right. And I tell people this. Sometimes when you do what's right, it's going to cost you, but a lot of us back off. But a person answering the question, go back this week, who can worship God? Who can go before God? This is a detailed description. Who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Verse 5, who does not put out his money at interest and who does not take a bribe against the innocent. Doesn't take advantage of people. This is the heart of a true worshiper of God. And it's hard and it's impossible without God. And this is where we're at without God. And so we can't do this on our own. So we go on and he summarizes it. Uh, he summarizes it in verses uh, 3 and 6 of Psalms 24. Look at verse 4. So he asked the question 3, who can really worship God? Verse 4, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully. We're going to break this down. Um, all who come to worship, and worship Christ in purity and singleness of heart. So you come, I'm going to worship Christ, I'm going to identify that I am worshiping Christ, and I'm only going to focus on Christ. 
talks about that throughout the Bible. He will keep a perfect peace. All whose thoughts are fixed on him. That's Isaiah 26.3. And 1 Corinthians 2.2, for I've decided to concentrate only on Christ Jesus and his death on the cross. We cannot worship multiple things. We'll get into that in a minute. But Matthew 5.8 and the Beatitudes, Jesus is affirming Psalms 4. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The purity. The purity of the singleness of God alone. And the world doesn't like that. They want you to worship everything but God. And it's okay if you worship God, but you add Jesus plus. What do you do with John 14, 6? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Our hands show what's in our heart. I want you to understand this. What comes out of your mouth? We've talked about that for a while in the past few sermons. But your actions show what's in your heart. That, they show more than anything. And you have a lost world that is looking to see what everyone is worshiping. No, they're not, Pastor. We're showing who we're worshiping every day. And we're showing who we are worshiping through our hands, our actions. Clean hands, one who is holy, rich with God in their actions. Pilate, in, in, in Matthew 27, 24, he's trying everything to release Jesus. And so they don't want to release Jesus. And so he says, you can do with them what you want. And ceremonially, Pilate, and some of you have seen this in different presentations, he brings a bowl of water and he rinses his hand saying, my hands are innocent of this. And this is what we're doing as Christians a lot. I worship God, worship Him once a week, but in my actions, it looks like I'm washing my hands. My grandpa, man, talk about COVID. I don't know what you guys were doing before COVID, but I always wash my hands. And I've said this before. Ladies, don't shake a man's hand because you don't know if and when they've washed it. I've been in enough men's restrooms, and I don't watch men, obviously, but I do notice a lot of them don't wash their hands. Ooh, gross. Well, I just called us out, okay? But spiritually, you women can be just like that. And men, I just kind of wet my hands, didn't use soap, didn't do the ABCs, <laughs> you know, whatever. And we do that in our actions. Well, I got my hands wet and went to church day. Got my hands wet and said the right things. What about the heart? What about the 24-7 actions? And I am not talking about perfection, because you're not going to find that with me, and you're not going to find it in yourself. But there should be consistency. There should be holiness. You know what it's like when you really wash your hands. You know, when you really... Anybody in a medical field, they go through a whole thing on what you need to do. And, you know, I've been doing some hospice chaplaincy, and part of the training, I had to, uh, the door was open, the bathroom... But I, she had to observe how I washed my hands, you know, those kind of things. And, and, you know, a lot of times we can look good, we can have wet hands, we can do this thing when there's no paper towels or whatever, you know. What about this? Heart. So Pilate was just doing it on the outside. I don't believe anything, but I'm going to rinse myself from this, so at least I look good. Look holy, looking holy is not enough. Clean hands show a clean heart. God expects us not to just be loyal at heart, but in our actions. And your first feeling, being true to you means we are true to heart in word and deed. 
in word and deed. They need to match up. A lot of people are doing this, but their actions are not showing that. So you either need to be quiet and not talk about something that you haven't worked out or you're not being obedient to, or you need to get it straight. Talking to myself. We need to be true in word and deed. God doesn't just expect us to be true at heart, but to be true in our focus of worship. Look at verse 4, the, the middle part. But I'm going to read it again. He who has clean hands and pure heart, now I'm going to focus on this, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. The song says, do not lift his soul up to another. All right? Loyalty to God alone. Ten commandments. No other God before you, him. In our loves, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love God first, then love others. Loyalty and Christ first. Seek first, Matthew 6.33, the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. No idols. We've got a lot of idols today. It can be our family. It can be our job. It can be our recreation. None of those things are bad in themselves if you apply Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God. Put God first, and He will take your desires and put them in the right mode. None of those things are bad, but so many times, one way or another, we're putting our family, our friend, our loves in front of God. They're not going to like me. They may do this. Well, are they the ones that's going to save you from hell? Are they the ones that's going to carry you through? Are they the ones that's created you? We need to be loyal. No idols. Singleness of devotion to God. No distractions. Need to ask the question, what is distracting me from hearing the sermon today? What is distracting me from focusing on God? What is distracting me from obeying God? Singleness. And the world's not going to like that. Oh, you're you're just closed-minded. You know what open-minded means? According to the Bible, we've been studying this in our men's Bible study. The word simple in the Hebrew means open-minded. In the Bible. The word simple means open-minded. Well, pastor, you need to listen to everything. I want you to understand what the Bible's saying. You need to have singleness that I keep talking about, biblical worldview. You need to make the decision, I'm going to see the world through the Bible, period. Oh, if, guess what happens when you just open your mind and you're not discerning? Didn't say don't listen. Didn't say don't let the Holy Spirit, but you need to op- you don't open your mind, but you discern what you're hearing through the Bible. Guess what? You open your mind to everything, everything's going to come in, and garbage in, garbage out. Didn't say don't love people, didn't say don't listen to people, but that's Bible. The word simple in the Hebrew means open-minded. And Proverbs talks about the simple run into danger. But the prudent, the sensible, see the danger and run away. This is why you need to be single, singleness of mind. A true worshiper is pure, not, uh, not false, not a hypocrite. And your next feeling, if you're going to be, a, uh, be true to you, we rely only on God. No substitutions, no idols. Some of you like that at a restaurant. This is all we got, no substitutions. Well, can I get this changed? <laughs> can I do this? You know, you know who you are. And we get embarrassed sometimes. I'd probably do the same thing. But don't do that with God. There's no substitutions. It's just all counterfeits. And it's not lasting. 
We do this because of the blessings it brings, the reward of a true worshiper is to enjoy the blessings of God. Look at verse 5. And he will receive blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God of salvation. It is the person who comes to God sincerely and in faith through uh, trusting him to save him. So you, a true worshiper comes to God and asks God to save him or her. Matthew 6, 23, verses, uh, Matthew 6, verses 23 through 26 says uh, this, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord makes his face, uh, actually numbers, sorry. My handwriting is pretty bad there. Number 6, verses 23 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I encourage you to go back. And look at that. Number 6, verses 23 through 26. And, and break down that He's going to bless you by keeping you. He saved you. To the end. He's going to... His face... A lot of us... I used to look at God as that He's just got a ruler just getting ready to smack my hand. Where's grace in that? If I don't receive Him as Savior, I am facing judgment just like you would be facing judgment. But once I've received Him as Savior... His face is shining upon him. I mentioned it before, but just how I feel about my grandson and, and just, you know, you want to be with him and love him and, and all those kind of things. That's how God feels about us. Make his, his face shine upon us and be gracious to us. The Lord lift up, his count, lift up his countenance upon you and guess what? Give you peace. A true worshiper that has received Christ as Savior through faith in Christ and what He's done has received the grace and the blessing of Christ and the favor of God. And we can have peace regardless of what's going on in our life. This is another sign of a true worshiper. Regardless of what's going on in your life, you're not Pollyanna like everything's going good, but you have that peace that He said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That peace that passes all understanding, that godly peace. And that's a blessing that he gives us through salvation. This is the blessing of salvation and grace and peace through faith in Jesus. The blessing of being justified right with God. The blessing of assurance that you know I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to heaven because I've been to seminary, because I've been a minister, all those things. One word, Jesus, period. That's it. I am... A horrible person without God. And I'm still kind of bad with Him. But it, He's working on me. One word, one name, Jesus. And so I can have that assurance. You can have that assurance today if you have made that decision. Or the devil is trying, you, you've made that decision and the devil's trying to get you to doubt. Perseverance. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, uh, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, he's for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand at the throne of God. But the first part of that says, we're surrounded by a crowd of witnesses. So let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily besets us. We can persevere because guess what? Those that have gone on before have endured. And if we could hear them, they're cheering us on saying, don't give up. Don't give into that. Persevere through Christ. 
The blessing of being right with God. The blessing of knowing where you're going. The blessing of endurance. The blessing of hope. The blessing that you are loved by God. Your next feeling, being true to you brings unending blessings of grace. Unending. We uh, were, were blessed last night. We went to Silver Dollar City, and yeah, that was a blessing. You know, I got my peanut brittle. Got to always get that, you know. And, and the church we were in before, the, 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 the youth that grew up with my kids, they now lead worship there, and they were, they were performing with a, a band called After Grace. And if you go to Silver City, they're at Echo Hollow. All, I'm advertising for it, but it's good. You'll be blessed. It's Christian music, and it's in the evening. And I was talking to him afterwards, and I asked, well, what, is, what does the name mean? Like pastors asking, what is the name? But we understand grace, and I don't believe grace ends. But I asked him, and he was talking about who you are after you've encountered the grace of God. Are we a generation Christian? You receive Christ. You have the blessing of Christ. What are you marked by? Every generation, we're going to see in the next scripture here, in verse 6, what generation of worshiper we are. Because we say, well, our generation had the organ. Our generation had the, had the hymnals. Our generation had the slides, for those of you that are old enough, and the overhead, for those of you that are old enough, and then the projector, and then the streaming, and now every church is online because of COVID. But it's not talking about that. There is one thing that every generation of worshipers since the beginning of time and the advent of the church, this is the true sign that you're a worshiper of God. I've just mentioned styles. I've just mentioned technology. None of that's bad in itself. And most of it's just our preferences, and we need to build a bridge and get over it. We need to respect the old, we need to understand the new, and we need each other. And I think, I think it, we do better when it's blended, when we're worshiping in this setting. But we know that worship is not just the service. It's part of it. But we see in verse 6 the indicator of a true worshiper throughout the generations. Such is the generation of those who seek Him, who seek the face of God of Jacob. The generation of the upright, the worshiper of God. It's an unbroken circle of one. How is anybody going to know that you worship God when you're not looking for God and when you seek somebody's face? You ever try, you know, when our kids were growing up, a little kid, when they've done something wrong, they're going to do, like, they're going to do everything but look at you. I still have to work on it. I always kind of look above you, but when I look you in the face and I want you to think I'm trying to get on to you, I'm, I'm looking at you, Brenda. You're in sin right now. I'm just teasing. I, I, just, I just caught eye contact with her. But you, I'm teasing, okay? But here's the deal. You try to get a little kid to look you in the eye when they've done something wrong. And they're like, no, I didn't do it. Try to get an adult to do that too. It's one thing to seek God, but it's another thing to seek His face. You ever had to take a kid and hold their face where they look you right in the eye? Guess what? God's not going to do that to you. You need to do that to God. You don't hold His face, but you say, I'm going to look right at you. Psalms 139, 23, and 24, Search me, O God. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me along the road everlasting. 
a true worshiper of God doesn't just seek God, they seek His face. And that means, God, I want what you have to say, and I want your way more than anything else. How is a lost world going to want anything you have if you're not really seeking God's face? To ask Him, God, I really want to know what you want me to do. And a worshiper is one that follows God. The worshiper, and, and again, this is the common thing. This is David saying this. So if you want to know, regardless of style, in a service, because a worshiper is one that follows God 24-7, the common thing is every generation that is a true worshiper seeks the face of God. Seeks God. And I've heard it say in, in, in testimonies of brothers and sisters that have died for their faith about the chain. And so this is our generation now. And what are we saying to the people that are lost around us? What are we saying to those that are gone on before? Oh, this is too hard. I may get in trouble. Someone may not like me if I go with God. We're part of a chain. Are you going to be the weak link? A chain of testimony uh, that I've talked about in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that are saying, seek God's face. Be a true worshiper of God in this, in this generation. It's no later. It's now. And are you really following God and seeking His face in all areas of your life? The generation of seekers seeking God, seeking His face. That we can go in Hebrews 4.16 boldly before the throne of God that we might find grace and mercy in our time of need. A dying world needs to see somebody single-minded following God. This blessing is a mark and it's an identification of a true worshiper of God in every generation. And your next fill-in, if you're going to be tr true to you, every generation needs to be true to seek God, to seek His face. How are they going to know? They need to see it in your life. I'm not talking perfection. I am talking about the fact of, where are they at on Sunday morning? We were supposed to go do something. Oh, they go to church every day. That's one part, portion. But then you go to your job or you go to your school and you hide from it. Guys, we just got to get to the point. We just care what God thinks. Because you know what? He says in, in Matthew that, why do you fear the person? I'm abbreviating because I didn't have it memorized. And I think it's at Matthew chapter 5. I always get it off. But he talks about why do you fear the one that can basically kill you, but why do you not fear the one that can damn both soul and spirit to hell? We're not worshiping the right things. I think where we're at today, most of you are Christians, and most of you have made that decision, but how many of you are cheating on God? Israel was doing it. And you well, I'm not cheating on God, I'm trying to follow Him. But how many of you are taking a little glance at something in your peripheral? Or how many of you are just, how, how far off can, do you have to be if you're rowing in a boat 
to never get to your destination. I'm not saying because you're a little off you're going to heaven, you're going to hell. If you receive Christ as your Savior and Lord, you're as saved as you're going to be. But the question I have for you today, as we stand on our feet and have a time of invitation, is this. Are you being true to God? Are you seeking His face alone? Are there any idols in your life? And if there are, just lay them down. Are you focused on just one time a week or realizing every decision I make is a decision who I'm saying is important in my life? And what you need to do is you need to come and come pray or where you're at and lay down whatever you're carrying and take up the cross and go and be a true worshiper of God so a dying world can see that. Lord, I pray if there's anything If there's anything that is off about our lives, that we lay it down and we recommit that we are going to put you first in every area of our life and truly worship you. In your name, Jesus. Amen.